I'm Alan Cornett, and this is the Eat Kentucky Podcast. Welcome back to the Eat Kentucky Podcast, where we celebrate Kentucky, its food, and its culture. This is your host, Alan Cornett. I want to thank everyone who listened to the Eat Kentucky Podcast in 2019, and a special thanks to those who subscribed, gave a five-star rating, and a review. If you've not done that, please hit subscribe on your podcast app. You can also scroll down and leave a quick five-star rating. It really helps others find the podcast. 2020 is going to be a great year with interesting guests and informative interviews about Kentucky, its food, and its culture. You can't have Kentucky food without Kentucky ingredients. So I start off the new year talking with Kentucky Agriculture Commissioner Ryan Quarles, who was just re-elected to a second term in November. Commissioner Quarles is a native of Scott County and has been involved in Kentucky agriculture his entire life. In this episode, I travel to Frankfort to discuss the state of Kentucky agriculture, the accomplishments of Commissioner Quarles' first term, and his plans for his second. We discuss the Kentucky Proud program, buying local, and alternative crops. We also chat about Kentucky hemp, bourbon, wine, and beer. Plus, Commissioner Quarles talks about the important Kentucky Hunger Initiative. Join me as we kick off the new year with Commissioner Ryan Quarles. Commissioner Ryan Quarles, welcome to Eat Kentucky, and we're glad to have you. Welcome to Kentucky Department of Agriculture. We're not the easiest place to find. We're in Frankfurt, but we're far away from the capital, but uh, we're happy to have you on campus. Oh, well, thanks. I was imagining you know, sitting back in a, like a, a leather chair and opulent <laughs> velvet curtains or something, but that's not, uh, that's not exactly... Hey, we're a bunch of farm kids over at Department of Ag. So we, we, we get the duct tape and baling twine out, and uh, we, we, we focus on functionality. Right, right. well, this is, this is uh, I think, very on-brand for Department of Agriculture, where you all are. <laughs> so I'm, I appreciate you taking some time uh, to talk to me. Congratulations on re-election. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that it's behind us. You know, in Kentucky... Kentuckians love their counties and they love their elections. We have plenty of both. That's right. And, you know, when you have elections three out of four years, uh, you know, it's it sometimes it's tough to, you know, get people motivated and the turnout was higher than what we expected, which is always a good thing. And so I'm just happy that, uh, that we had opportunity to get out and visit all 120 counties. Oh, that's I visit, amazing. I, I traveled a lot this year. But, uh, you know, agriculture is one of the things, one of the few things that brings people together. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican or anything in between. It doesn't matter if you're in rural Kentucky or downtown Louisville. You know, food is something that kind of puts us on the map in our state, mm -hmm. but it's also something that brings people together. And so during the campaign, I try to focus on the positive things. Sure. And I think people appreciate a positive vision especially when it gets caught up with the rhetoric of, of negative ads. And so we just talked about, hey, this is what we've done. This is what we want to do in the next four years. Yeah. Well, that, I want to talk to you some about that, kind of what, yeah. what, you, uh, what you feel like you've accomplished and sort of where, where you're heading. At, 
I think that as far as state government goes, from my outsider's perspective, the Department of Ag seems like a, a success story. I appreciate that. And I feel like the first term uh, was successful because we were able to help grow the Kentucky Proud program. We were able to pull off some things that no Department of Ag has done, including have a baseball stadium named after Kentucky Proud at no <laughs> cost right. to the taxpayer. Right. I, I live close we, to that baseball stadium. And, I go you know, by there all the time. $49 million asset at zero cost to the taxpayer, thanks to the Farm Bureau. Uh, we have Kentucky Proud Park. That's mm -hmm. something that was really cool. We were able to open up trade with China for our equine industry. The biggest untapped market in the world is now buying Kentucky Proud horses for racing purposes. Wow whether it be thoroughbreds, quarter horses, saddlebreds. And that was something that I think was just really not only cool, it had a big economic impact for Kentucky, but it also helped us transition in the next term about focusing on trade. We were also able, I know people don't know about this sometimes, Department of Ag, but we are a big regulatory uh, agency. So I like to tell people if you fly out of a Kentucky airport, buy a gallon of gas. I see your name every time weigh, I pump gas. Weigh a truck, sell, <laughs> pawn, sell gold at a pawn store, or check out at any Walmart or Kroger in Kentucky. It's Department of Ag. Or even ride a Ferris wheel. We play a consumer protection role. And during the first term, we were able to actually crack down on credit card skimmers, criminals who are stealing credit cards at the gas pumps. And we have prevented well over $100,000 in credit oh, card wow. theft. And that is at no additional cost to the taxpayer. Now, I know that some people scratch their head and say, well, what's this got to do with the Department of Ag? But we're kind of like the island of misfits sometimes. Is that when, whenever a, a, an agency is regulated, sometimes we get kind of uh, given the opportunity to implement what the General Assembly wants. And, and so, uh, for instance, just a couple years ago, uh, we were given the gift of getting to uh, permit zip lines in Kentucky. And so a lot of times people just don't know this, but those are the things we accomplished in the first term. Really proud of that. We were able to keep our, our budget in line with all the cuts. We had six cuts mm. in four years, and we did our part because of the pension crisis. This was a big driver with our budget right now. Uh, but another thing that we did is that we really tried to connect our farmers, not just with farmers markets, but directly with restaurants. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a big success because whenever a consumer can go in and see a menu and see that powerful Kentucky Proud brand on a menu and see which farm it came from, that not only is going to be a tasty meal, but it also means that we're educating people that yes, local agriculture exists in Kentucky. So tell me a little bit about that program because that's something that's certainly of, of interest to I guess the Eat Kentucky interests. Yeah. Uh, how does that? How did that initiative start? How does that work? Uh, because I've certainly seen menus that that <coughs> list out uh, where mm -hmm. different ingredients come from, and I think that's a great thing. So the local food movement has always been around. It's just that we never really labeled it until Kentucky Proud came along. Uh, you know, for me, I grew up on a farm. We had a big backyard garden. We used to sell our tomatoes to a local uh, restaurant down the road. And you know, at the time, even though I was like eight or 10 years old, I didn't realize that, that I was Kentucky proud before it even existed. And so Kentucky's strong agriculture heritage and, 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 and really uh, existence already on the ground really set this program up to be successful. And it has a lot of history. It goes back to the Billy Ray Smith administration. Um, and then uh, when he was exiting, the program got started, and Richie Farmer came along, and he deserves credit for helping elevate Kentucky Proud uh, 
with a marketing program. And if a lot of us remember the unforgettables and he, he was sure. able to help get out there and use former tobacco settlement money to say, hey, we're gonna do something special for Kentucky to help support local agriculture. It's gonna be called Kentucky Proud. And if you fast forward it to 2019, we have over 8,000 Kentuckians registered as members of the Kentucky Proud program. And these are people selling everything from food, sometimes it's crafts, uh, sometimes it's specific products. But when a Kentuckian sees the Kentucky Proud logo, they know that they're supporting a local farmer or agribusiness. And that's what this makes this program successful. And other states are coming to Kentucky. This year we had over 30 other departments of agriculture come to Kentucky to learn about Kentucky Proud. And that really makes us feel good. And it's a program that's free right now. It's still supported from our tobacco settlement money. It's a program that gets you access into grocery stores, into restaurants. But it's one that also makes you feel good to say, hey, we're supporting a local enterprise. And sometimes for our young farmers or non-traditional farmers, this is their first entryway into a new career by using Kentucky Proud. Was Kentucky really the first to brand that way? I'm not sure about that, but I do know that, that we are considered one of the top five brands in the nation easily. And other states have, have tried to catch up with us or model themselves after us. But one thing that makes us special is that we do have that Ag Development Board money, that Tobacco Settlement Board money, where we don't have to charge a fee if you want to be part of Kentucky Proud. Or we're able to actually provide promotional grants for a new Kentucky Proud business sometimes. And in the era of limited funding, that really sets us apart. But one of the things I think that this goes back to why it's been successful is that when you say you're from Kentucky, doesn't matter if you're uh, abroad or somewhere else in the United States, people ask you about ag products. Guess what they ask you about? Bourbon, racehorses, and who's this Colonel Sanders guy? Kentucky sure. Fried Chicken. And all three of those are ag products. And mm -hmm. so our state already has this international identity as being associated with ag. And if you go back, and, and I'm from rural Kentucky, but, but a lot of Kentuckians either, either grew up on a farm, their parents did, or by God, one of their grandparents probably worked on a farm. And so the connection's still pretty fresh in a lot of our, yeah. our uh, heritage lines. But one of the cool things that we're doing now is really focusing on the school systems. We had this program called Farm to School. Think about all the food that is uh, served in a school cafeteria every day. And my whole thought is, what if one, two, three percent of that came from local agriculture? Right now, a lot of school systems, we don't even know where the food's coming from. Right. Some of our school systems are really good. They make a commitment to buying at a local farmer's market when they can. And there's price points that, that help determine that. But there are so many schools now where a young Kentuckian can go through the food line and actually see, just like at a restaurant, a Kentucky Proud symbol, the farm associated with that meatloaf or those green beans. And so at a young age, we're trying to educate these kids that food doesn't just magically show up at a grocery store. It comes from a family farm. And that's what's really cool. And you're going to have, obviously, better quality food. It's going yes. to taste a lot better. That's right. Um, sadly, school cafeterias don't have the best reputation <laughs> with that as somebody who grew up eating, uh, eating that cafeteria food. I think that's great. Uh, how, how long will the tobacco settlement money last, do you think? What's that projected well, out to? Although it gets smaller each year, as long as Americans consume tobacco products, there will be at least some sort mm -hmm. of revenue coming in. And we're, we're trying to become more 
strategic about how we use that money because mm -hmm. we know it's not going to be there forever. Uh, not to get off topic, but we've, we've actually somewhat moved away from grants into low interest loans for young farmers. Uh, one of the positions, one of the boards I sit on as Ag Commissioner is that I chair what's called the Kentucky Ag Finance Corporation, which has about $85 million in revolving assets where we loan money out. Half of our loans are dedicated to new and beginning farmers. And so we talk about this transition issue, which is real in agriculture. If you're a young person, it's hard to get involved in a capital intensive uh, uh, enterprise, but we give something that other states don't have. And that's really cool. And so we are so uh, fortunate that we have this pot of money, this seed capital that other states don't have. And every year we have to go before the board, present a new application about Kentucky Proud before they give us the grant money to administer it. And which I think it's great because it, it builds in accountability. Mm -hmm. It's also allowed us to review our programs and say, well, maybe our ROI could be better if we do this. And it actually helped encourage us to completely reinvent part of the Kentucky Proud program called Buy Local, where we actually help incentivize restaurants and also those distributors, those middlemen that help connect farmers with restaurants in a very big way incentivize them to say, hey, here are some Kentucky farmers. Why don't you give them a chance? And, and that's what the whole buy, lo buy local program is about. And of course, our farmers markets, oh my gosh, we have them in 113 counties now, 160 plus farmers markets. And it's so cool to go down on Saturday morning and, and see local agriculture at work. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. I was going to ask you about the buy local initiative. So uh, there are reimbursements that are given to restaurants. Is that correct? But they, then there's a there's a cap on that. That's right. And so we want to encourage any entrepreneur, any restaurant owner, or other uh, ag business that they want to be Kentucky proud. Come talk to us. And especially if you're new, we do have grant money available. And a lot of people use this for like radio ads or or uh, newspaper ads to say, hey, we're new on new on the on the block, come try out our food or try out our, our, our freezer beef that we're selling straight off the farm. And But we do have lifetime max because we want to make sure that we encourage people to get uh, in the habit of buying Kentucky Proud, but we don't want to support them forever. And so we actually celebrate with a plaque, a really cool Kentucky wooden plaque that when some of our restaurants meet that lifetime max, we recognize them and we give them, give them publicity. And it's not just restaurants, it's also school systems. Some of these school systems get this reimbursement as well. And uh, the Bowling Green Independent School System was the very first one to reach a lifetime max. And so we went down there oh, and great. said, thank you. And then you got people like Weta Michael, you know, rock star, amazing, uh, uh, nationally known chef. And so she's actually graduated uh, from this program of she a couple of restaurants. She and I actually talked about her maxing out when I interviewed her a few weeks ago for the podcast. Mm -hmm. And you got people like Weta who not only really put the Southern cuisine, um, you know, back in the, in the centerfold, but her business buys about a million dollars at last count of Kentucky proud produce. And, and I know she's proud to share that because that's a million dollars that goes right back into the back pockets of our young women and men who are farming today. And that, when you talk about millions of dollars, it really starts to add up. And it kind of goes to show you the local food movement is real. So if somebody wants, if you've got somebody who, who's not involved with the buyback or Kentucky Proud mm -hmm. in general, what do they need to do in order to make that connection? 
The simplest thing to do is to visit us on our website, call us. Our Kentucky Proud staff is always able to get back to you very quickly and help make sure you qualify for the program. We do protect the integrity of the brand. Uh, we're not a perfect program, but we want to make sure that it's being used for the right reasons. And then if you qualify, uh, you actually are licensed the ability to use Kentucky Proud logo. You also qualify for at-cost stickers and bags and, and things, uh, banners that may help promote your business. And just depending on where you're at, we have different programs for you. And so we try to make it as simple as possible at the Kentucky Department of Ag. I was going to ask you, too, about Appalachia Proud. and How does that yeah. tie into Kentucky Proud? I'm an Appalachian myself. So. Well, that means you come from an area that is well known for good food. Uh, you know, agriculture is very real in eastern Kentucky. And that's something that I've emphasized to the ag community since day one, is that agriculture exists uh, on the banks of the Big Sandy in the east to the mud of the Mississippi in the west and that it, agriculture is different depending on where you're at in Kentucky. We have a lot of diversity and that's what makes Kentucky strong. It's like unlike these uh, states out in the Midwest that may have their entire ag uh, portfolio focused on three or four crops, here in Kentucky we grow everything from apples to zucchinis and everything in between and that's what makes us unique. And one of the programs we have in Kentucky Proud is called Appalachia Proud which is a logo that is protected just for eastern Kentucky counties. It aligns with the Appalachia Regional Commission, ARC counties, that if you are a Kentucky Proud member, you can use a special logo that signifies that it comes from eastern Kentucky. Uh, it's very popular at our farmers markets and also craft fairs as well. And we actually made a big announcement at the SOAR initiative uh, a few months ago that we were expanding the territory of Appalachia Proud to make sure that it aligns with other federal programs that recognize eastern Kentucky counties. And a lot of our farmers love this. You've got people like the Creech family um, uh, down in Harlan that has one of the best apple orchards in the United States. They actually invented an apple uh, down there that, that, that was invented right there on their farm. It's being sold all over the place. They're supplying apples all over to our school systems. Um, cider productions in full swing right now and that's an example of how Appalachia Proud is making a difference. And then there's another Kentucky Proud program that's reserved just for those who served us in uniform called Homegrown by Heroes. And okay. Kentucky invented this program. Actually our program is being replicated around the United States that other departments of ag are licensing our program to help those who help serve our country come back to the farm and sell their goods and, and we're very proud that Kentucky has a nationally recognized program that supports local ag, also supports those who served in the military. And one of the cool things, we just got some stats back, one out of ten farmers in Kentucky are military veterans. It's a lot higher than other states and so we're just thankful to have a program that gives back. So I, I suppose in theory somebody could be all three? Yeah, they could. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They, yeah. Could, they could triple, triple dip <laughs> on that. While we take a brief break, I wanted to tell you about my day job and sometimes nights and weekends. I'm a realtor with Keller Williams Bluegrass Realty. When I'm not eating or posting about food, I help people find the home of their dreams in the Lexington area. If you need to buy or sell your home, Please email, text, or call Alan Cornett at kw.com or 859-327-1818. Now let's talk more about food. 
So as you're looking forward then to your second term, where do you want to see Kentucky agriculture go? What are, what are areas of growth? I know hemp is, is a big area, yeah. but what else, what else are we looking there's, at? There's three broad categories that we're going to focus on in the second term. Number one, international trade. That is the biggest issue in agriculture right now. You know, every day you see a different statement coming out, whether it's about negotiations with China, Japan, the effects of Brexit that, that's going to happen next month. Uh, where does Kentucky agriculture stand to benefit with the 95% of consumers that live outside the United States? And so one thing we like to say here at the Department of Agriculture is that, uh, is that Kentucky needs international trade, but more importantly, the rest of the world needs Kentucky agriculture. Because if we're going to be known as the bourbon state, the Kentucky Fried Chicken State, the horse racing capital of the world, why not tack on some other signature products like Kentucky Country Hams mm -hmm. or the food that, that you and I probably enjoy that is it's truly uniquely Kentucky? Or imagine the day where with UPS, Amazon, and DHL located in Kentucky, where we can put that, say, Country Ham in an overnight box, slap that Kentucky Proud symbol on the side, and overnight it to a, a market in Paris or a market in Tokyo and really take it to the next level. And so we actually have a full-time staffer focused just on international trade. And it took me a couple years to piece together the funding to do this, but it's so important that we give our farmers the ability to sell abroad because we're gonna outperform on both quality and performance when it comes to ag. Uh, number two, we're going to have a conversation about ag technology in Kentucky. We're already a state known for innovation. We have a great cooperative extension service, great network of colleges like EKU, Moorhead, UK, and then you know out west we've got Western and Murray, uh, and we have all these great ag programs. And then you to add in on top of that, Kentucky's already the already the go-to state for technology. We have the National Farm Machinery Show here. Uh, it's like the Detroit Auto Show for tractors. Like John Deere and Case New Holland, the K Case IH comes in, they show off the newest technology they have here in Kentucky, not somewhere else. And so what we're doing right now is we're having a conversation with Alltech, which is mm -hmm. probably the biggest ag business in Kentucky, who has locations in 120 countries, and talking about what can we do to be the silicon hauler for ag technology. And you think about Silicon Valley, software, computer development, you think about Boston, it's healthcare. Why not let Kentucky get out and be the lead on ag technology? We have companies like App Harvest locating in Eastern Kentucky right now. $90 million investment in a greenhouse. A greenhouse that's gonna cover 60 acres. Oh, wow. And an acre is about the size of a football field. So this is not a small investment. They are, they're locating here. And so why not let us be that go-to hub state now, I know that's very ambitious, but I'm a type of guy that likes a challenge, and this is going to take a lot of cooperation. But when you take successes like the hemp program, we already, we're already seeing innovation at the farm level. Just that, let's just capture that momentum and take it to the next level. And then third, we want to focus on issues that affect rural Kentucky and urban Kentucky, whether it be access to high-speed internet, which you have to have to run a business these days, whether you're on Main Street, or out in the field, you have to have it. It's a quality of life issue. If you want young people to stay in rural Kentucky, they have to have the entertainment options. They have to have access to health care. They have to be connected to the rest of the world. And so we're going to be advocating for issues that a lot of folks may not 
immediately associate with agriculture. But for me, it's about encouraging an environment where people get back on the farm if they choose to do that. So we, we touched on Appalach with Appalachia Proud in Eastern Kentucky, a lot of, of course, not just Eastern Kentucky, but rural Kentucky in general, a lot of the economic sustainability for people was lost with tobacco. That's right. Yep. We've got hemp on the rise, mm -hmm. but what, what other crops do you see sure. coming, coming down to help <clears throat> sustain those communities? Because a lot of places are just kind of wiped out. It's tough. Now, I grew up on a tobacco farm. My family's been growing tobacco since Kentucky before we were a commonwealth. Uh, we still grow it today. It's how I paid for college. And whenever I need to get, <laughs> uh, uh, whenever I go back out on the farm working tobacco, it, it brings me back down to earth and reminds me of my childhood. At one point, 85,000 Kentuckians or supplementing their income with tobacco. And as you know, a lot of times these are four acres, maybe eight acres. That was a big tobacco operation back in the 90s. And today we have less than 4,000 people growing it. And so it shows you a mass exodus. And we were very fortunate to have the tobacco buyout, which helped transition some farmers. And here are some things that we're doing that some of those farmers were able to successfully transition to. We have a tremendous cattle herd in Kentucky. In fact, we have more head of cattle than any other state east of Mississippi, and our genetics are phenomenal because of investments we made with that tobacco money. And so a lot of people are investing in cattle. The average herd size here is only 38 head. And in eastern Kentucky, there are some great cattle farms, and you're able to utilize land that otherwise may not be able to utilize. Another thing that's, being, that's really taken off right now are sheep and goats. We call them small ruminants. And we actually have a strong market for this. A lot of our goat meat ends up in Detroit or New York, and a lot of these buyers come down here on sale dates because they know that Kentucky has a reputation of high-quality goats, and our sheep populations are taken off as well. We have 120,000 head of goat and sheep, and it continues to grow. That's an area of growth. Another thing we're doing right now is that we are in the very early stages of experiments with some other crops. Now, that means they may work out, they may not work out. Uh, they may end up being commercially profitable, they may not be, but we got crops like Canaf, which is a fibrous plant, which every Toyota Camry and every F-150 that comes off the line in Louisville has Canaf in it, but it's not being sourced from Kentucky farmers. We're going to try to fix that. Canaf has a high burn, uh, burn rating, like BTU, higher than firewood, so we're looking at that. There are other crops that uh, are underneath proprietary protection right now, but what I can say is that it has a direct connection with healthcare that, let me put it this way, Imagine the day where medicine isn't uh, synthetically manufactured in a lab. It's actually grown through a plant. We actually have already done this with an Ebola-fighting vaccine back in 2014 out in Owensboro, mm -hmm. and they used a, t a Kentucky tobacco plant. I remember recording yeah. on that. So the tobacco plant was saving people's lives. And so there are some other crops that have potential. They still have to go through FDA approval that if they are approved, could end up being an opportunity for high-quality, high-valued crops. And of course, when you talk about Kentucky, a lot of people forget this, but we're a big hay state. It's a $400 million enterprise in Kentucky. And so we have seen some farmers transition that pasture hay into high-quality alfalfa. 
or hay that's going straight to our racehorse industry and they're getting a premium for it. There's a lot of progress that needs to be done, but those are some areas of growth in Kentucky agriculture. You mentioned bourbon, which of course anytime, <laughs> anytime uh, Kentucky agriculture comes up, uh, that is, that's talked about. And I've heard different places recently, you know, bourbon is agriculture. It is. And liquid corn. Uh, that's right. So I know that though there is so much corn that's used. That's right. A lot of it has to come from outside of. of that's Kentucky. right. What what's surely? But it's Kentucky, getting better. Yeah, surely Kentucky can grow that corn. So uh, I view bourbon as agriculture because by federal law you have to have at least fifty percent of that mash bill comes from corn. Now where does that corn come from? Uh, well, traditionally it all came from the local farmer, uh, but after the bourbon industry contracted in the 1970s as the bourbon industry has slowly and now exploded with growth. I sat down my very first year in office with the other KDA, the Kentucky Distiller Association. I said, how much Kentucky corn being utilized for Kentucky bourbon comes from our farmers? And they said, uh, we believe less than half. And I was like, well, let's fix that. Because a lot of consumers, they go out and buy a bottle of bourbon, they assume it's Kentucky corn. And I was like, we have some of the best corn producers in Kentucky. Let's fix it. And over the past three years, the amount of Kentucky corn going into Kentucky bourbon has increased by 65% during my administration. And we're going to keep on going. You've got companies, uh, bourbon distilleries such as Mickner's, Bullet, uh, that are 100% Kentucky corn. OZ oh, Tyler, 100%. A Castle and Key, Woodford Reserve, 100% Kentucky corn. Sometimes it's non-GMO or non-traditional brands. That's fine. We'll grow it. There's a mother-daughter distillery in Shelbyville called mm -hmm. Jephthah Creed. I've toured Jephthah Creed. Very yeah. unique. They're celebrating their Scottish history and maybe it's Irish. Their history. I think it's, and, Scot <laughs> I think Scottish is right. Well, they're, they're growing a corn called Bloody Butcher mm -hmm. Corn. It's red. Yeah. And so what we're doing is that with companies like Jim Bean that liquefy 21,000 bushels of corn a day. They're buying over 80% of it from Kentucky farmers. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. And, and maybe we'll get to 100 one day. And just to give you the economic uh, uh, impact of this, each year uh, between 16 and 20 million bushels are liquefied into our state's signature drink each year. And about 9 million of that's coming from Kentucky farmers. And so we've made a big impact and for a lot of farmers during these low commodity prices, they're getting a premium, sometimes a super premium, 25, 50 cents, in one case, 75% per bushel above market price premium for growing this corn. And so this is an opportunity for us to directly connect Kentucky farmers with a signature industry that's growing like crazy. We have 8 million barrels of bourbon aging right now. That's almost two barrels for every Kentuckian. You add that into the fact we're the biggest beef cattle state, East Mississippi, makes for a pretty good weekend. That's right. Uh, Throw in some country ham and you're, yeah. and you're good to go. And another thing worth, worth mentioning is the craft beer industry. It's, it's exploding as well. And we actually uh, sponsor a Kentucky Proud Beer Series, first time it's ever happened, where we challenge these craft breweries to say, come up with something uniquely Kentucky. And the, these folks are like scientists. They're out there experimenting with stuff anyway. And we say, use Kentucky uh, ingredients like blackberries, pawpaws, 
which is a which is a tropical fruit that that grows here in Kentucky. Speaking of which, I saw Jip the Creed actually has a pawpaw brandy. Yeah, that they it's that great they, that they have uh, they've developed. And and so just a few weeks ago, we had our I think our third annual Kentucky Proud Beer Series, where we actually pair it with Kentucky Proud food. And the craft beer industry has an economic impact of a half billion dollars now in Kentucky. Oh, that's incredible. And now we're bringing back hops. We, my first year in office, we got a $50,000 research grant, and we said, look, let's bring back a crop that used to grow big in Kentucky. I was going to ask, is hops mm-hmm. something that does well here? It does if you get the right varieties. Mm-hmm. Just, just like with tobacco and hemp, you got to get the right varieties. But a lot of the craft breweries were located in northern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of German, right. Irish descent uh, traditionally settled that area. And so hops farms were actually located in northern Kentucky. Um, and then Prohibition put them out. We now have about a dozen commercial hops farms in Kentucky. Uh, we have them on the banks of the Ohio in Louisville. We have them in northern Kentucky. We actually have them in eastern Kentucky right now. And UK is doing a lot of research on this. And so it's a crop that requires a lot of labor, not a lot of land and a lot of expertise, kind of like tobacco. But we still need to make sure we identify the right varieties. Because just like grapes, hops take several years until you have your first mature harvest. So if you don't get it right, you know, it takes a couple years to fix the, fix right. the issue. Well, nice segue. Just keeping with that theme, I, I saw that the uh, Department of Ag also has a wine, Kentucky wine contest. That's right. Commissioner's and, uh, Cup. How is that? Uh, how are wineries doing in we, Kentucky? We have about 70 farm wineries in Kentucky, and we have many other people growing grapes to supply the wineries as well. It's stable. One of the things that we do is that we actually have a wine specialist on staff. I mean, it's like the best job in state government. You get to go out and work not just with our wineries, but, but, uh, but our craft uh, breweries as well. But we are systematically trying to improve the quality of our wine as well. And the actually, and, the, and plus the agritourism aspect of these vineyards. So, so some of these vineyards may have started off just focused on wine years ago. Now they have weddings. Now they're having concert series. Now they're actually hooking up with a distillery because they don't really view each other as competition and say, hey, if you're, if you're going to host a bachelor party, uh, uh, bring the bachelorettes too, and we'll, we'll have a weekend at the distillery, but also the local winery as well. Uh, we help support our wineries, especially when it comes to getting into uh, uh, the distribution of it, because there's so many alcohol laws in Kentucky. A lot of times, these small producers just need technical assistance, and so a lot of times, our staff is there to, to help, uh, help them navigate state government. I know, speaking of alcohol laws, I know some have complained about the shipping restrictions related to Kentucky. Is that something that, that you think will be some improvement on in the future? Well, there's been a lot of improvement over the past few years. At one point, Kentucky had 80 different alcohol laws, and we're trying to simplify it. And, and we're, we're not the driver of that conversation, but we're there to help advocate for our farm wineries and for our hops farmers and for our corn producers that supply the bourbon industry. And so there has been simplification in, in many positive ways, but we have a three-tiered system in Kentucky, and we've had that since Prohibition. And so there has to be this respect for the system, but also give uh, the ability to say, give out samples at your winery or give out samples at your, 
at your distillery as well. So I think we've had a lot of, of middle ground has been covered. Could be better. Right. Yes, I think so. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about about you some, not just the the Department of Ag, but you you grew up in Scott County. Is that that's is right? That, is yep. that right? And went to UK. Mm-hmm. And I see that you you reach across the aisle and are even willing to employ graduates at the University of Louisville over. That's here. right. That's, yeah, we don't discriminate. We that's, that's good. <laughs> we actually have a really robust internship program, mm-hmm. and we're so proud. We usually have seventy or so people apply from all corners of the Commonwealth um, for twelve positions. So it's 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 more selective than some colleges, and right. we always make sure that we. We uh, have interns and people who apply that went to community colleges, that went to public and private universities, and yes, U of L as well. That's right. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. And I, hope, I hope we can get some Eastern Kentuckians in there too. Absolutely. Every now and then. So you've we, we've got a new year in front of us. Have you got any resolutions for yourself looking into the new year? Well, uh, number one is. Uh, I think I may have eaten too much Kentucky Proud food on the campaign trail. <laughs> that can happen. So uh, I, I'm trying to fit back in my suits <laughs> before session starts. Uh, there's that. Uh, I'm also really looking forward to 2020 because with the election behind us, it allows us to focus more on our objectives at Department of Agriculture. And so I'm looking forward to being active on trade. I'm looking forward to my leadership positions nationally. Right now I'm president of what's called SASDA, which is all the Southern Ag Commissioners, and I'm vice president of all the Ag Commissioners in the United States. So I'll be national president in 2020. That's great. And so looking forward, you know, Kentucky will have a seat at the table with the White House um, after the 2020 election, regardless of who President Trump gets reelected or someone's new. Uh, I'll be there advocating for agriculture. And I think that's just somewhat of a, a unique moment in time and space. Uh, another thing that I'm really looking forward to in 2020 is really kick-starting this conversation about ag technology. I know we already talked about it, but we have to move quickly because I know other states want to kind of uh, claim this as well. But personally, I'm just focused on being the best ag commissioner I possibly can. You know, I was a kid. I used to go to the Kentucky State Fair, which I loved for two main reasons. Number one, I got out of working in tobacco for a couple of days. And number two, I got to go see friends from around, around the state and compete in the state tractor driving competition, things like that. But that's when I first saw the commissioner at work passing out ribbons. And I want, and I want to be that ribbon. Uh, I want to be that commissioner pass out ribbons, whether you're first place or last place, and tell that young 4-H or FFA or, hey, you, you put in, you did a great job, and you have something to be proud of and help encourage these kids. Because a lot of times what I've noticed is that, is that we need to give young Kentuckians confidence that they deserve. That, that it doesn't matter where you grow up in our state, doesn't matter if you're, you're from Lexington, Louisville, or Eastern Kentucky, or West Kentucky, that if you work hard enough and stay focused, you can accomplish anything you want in life. And a lot of times that means a pat on the back and saying job well done, even if you came in last place. I, I was a 4-H'er many, many years ago and did 4-H presentations and went, uh, that was way, way back in the last century. But yeah, was, uh, 4-H that was my very program. first speech. Yeah. In 4 I was nervous. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, 4-H, 4-H is a great program. I really enjoyed doing 4-H mm-hmm. uh, way back when. Uh, you talked about enjoying the Kentucky Proud uh, food along the campaign yeah. trail. Uh, when, what, what are your favorite Kentucky dishes? What do you like to eat? 
Oh, well, if, or, if or calories don't matter. Yeah, calor- calories don't count. Uh, I love a hot brown because mm-hmm. there's so many different ways you can cook it, and they're usually always good. And so I love a hot brown. Um, when I'm out traveling, uh, there's a lot of different pies that, that I'll try. You know, and especially, you don't want to pass up grandma's pie when you're out there on the campaign trail. Uh, other dishes that I like uh, is some of the meats that we now have come online. We have lamb chops now that, that are being served in high-end restaurants in New York coming from Kentucky. And they're big and meaty. They're not small chops. And so you got interesting dishes like that. But I will say this. Nothing beats uh, Kentucky Proud chicken on the grill, which, by the way, poultry is our number one commodity in Kentucky. A lot of folks don't realize that. Over one out of five dollars of all cash receipts come from poultry. But I'm a steak guy. I love to put some beef on the grill. And, uh, and I happen to know a few farmers around the state that, that, that excel at their job. And so we're able to have some really good cookouts sometimes. Well, Kentucky beef does a, does a really good job uh, of, of promoting high quality beef for the state, I think. Yep. Oh, burgoo. There's nothing like burgoo on a cold day. Uh, it, it, it's, in my opinion, better than vegetable soup. And if you're going to go to Keeneland uh, and it's a cold morning, you better have some burgoo with you. Well, and I will also bear witness that, that as we're talking, you've got an L81 bottle here. That's right. In front of you. So that's uh, representing Winchester's finest here. That's right. And L8 is actually a Kentucky Proud member. Now, you may scratch your head and say, what's a soda got to do with Kentucky Proud? But if you go into a grocery store, you can see L8 salsa, L8 sauces, and they source all their, all their tomatoes from Kentucky. And so they've been a great partner. In fact, they've been with us for, I think, 12 years now. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing we're trying to do is, is branch out uh, to make sure that those companies that may, that may not need our branding have the opportunity to do it. And, and just this past weekend, uh, uh, someone showed me a, a brand-new bourbon bottle that had a Kentucky Proud symbol on it. So they're actually starting to use it as well. That's good. I mean, obviously, it, bourbon has such a high profile. Anytime it can shine a light on the state, I think, is yeah. a good thing. Now, I, I know uh, that you've been working on your doctorate. How's that, how's that going? Well, it is finished. Oh, I graduated Con- Congratulations. Uh, in May. Thank you. I'm so glad it's over with. Uh, you know, my mom was an educator. She taught at Kentucky State University, taught for 30 years. So I grew up in the educator in the family, and she went back when I was in middle school to get her PhD. And I was so proud of her. And it wasn't until I started my own doctorate that I realized, holy smokes, this is a lot harder than I thought. And, and it really, when I looked, my mom passed away several years ago, it, it makes me just swell up with pride that she did this. And if she had not done it back uh, when, I, when I was in middle school, she finished when I was in college. I probably wouldn't have done it myself because she was the inspiration in my life. And I'm an education guy. I have seven college degrees at this point. I finished my doctorate in education. And I'm, I'm committed to make sure that in the best of my ability, whether it's ag commissioner or other capacity, that we have an education system that gives every Kentuckian an opportunity. And I really believe that education is a great equalizer in life. That if, if you apply yourself that it's going to take you wherever you want in life. And call me optimistic, uh, but I believe it because it worked for me. Yeah. Uh, and one, well, oh, one of the cool things is that when my mom graduated with her Ph.D., 
I finished my master's in agriculture economics, and so we graduated the University of Kentucky on the same day. Oh, that's wonderful. And that was cool. We got to walk together. Yeah, that's, that's a special moment for yeah. sure. Well, I appreciate you giving me some of your time, and I've enjoyed the conversation. I think that it uh, seems like Kentucky Ag's in good hands, and looking forward to seeing what shows up on everybody's plate. That's what we're interested in, especially at Eat Kentucky. That's right. From the farm gate to your dinner plate, Kentucky Proud is a program that I think excels in, in all categories, and it's one that is the job's never done, that we're going to continue to try to get Kentucky Proud into our school systems, into more restaurants. And one last thing to mention, just this past week, after a year and a half of being in, in Kroger grocery stores, we have sold a million dollars of 100% Kentucky Proud ground beef. Oh, that's great. And it took us two years to get all the packaging together. And that's, again, money going right back to our Kentucky farmers. We're very close to doing it with pork chops as well. And I encourage your listeners that if you, if you haven't gone to a farmer's market recently, be sure to put that on your to-do list when it warms back up. Make your holiday season a Kentucky Proud holiday season. You can find it. You can go on our website uh, to find locations where you can buy products. But if you want to support a local farmer, I ask you to do two things. Number one, go out there and buy those Kentucky Proud products. And number two, say thank you. Farmers oftentimes don't get the things that they deserve. A lot of times they're out on their farm. They don't get to go uh, uh, in the town uh, as often as other business people. But they are the reason why we have safe, abundant food in America. And here in Kentucky, uh, I, as Ag Commissioner, never pass up the opportunity to just say thank you for what you do. That reminds me of one question I want to throw in just before, before we wrap up. And that is uh, about the, the hunger initiative that you yes. have. Because um, since you, you mentioned that, and I'm glad you did, tell me a, a little bit about what you've done with that with the Kentucky Hunger Initiative. Well, very quickly, uh, one in six Kentuckians and one in five Kentucky school children are food insecure, which is appalling that we come from a state that has an abundance of food, agriculture that, that really is breaking records. It's unfortunate that so many Kentuckians go to bed hungry. And especially if you're a young Kentucky student, if you don't have access to nutrition, uh, education and learning is the last thing in your mind when you go to school. And so it really adversely affects people at a very young age. It affects their life trajectory. And so what we did very quickly is that we included uh, everyone in the food production system to have a conversation about hunger. From the farmer who puts the seed in the ground, to our grocery stores, to our restaurants where 40% of all prepared foods are in a trash can each day, to our K-12 and higher ed experts, our church community and charitable community. And we started what's called the Kentucky Hunger Initiative. In the past couple years, we have changed state law that we had the strongest food donation law in the country where grocery stores no longer have to fear lawsuit when they donate food in case someone were perhaps gets sick. Other states have copied us. We now have banks uh, and other institutions donating chest freezers uh, to our local food pantries. Had over 200 freezers donated at this point. Kentucky Farm Bureau, Kentucky Cattlemen's, the Poultry Federation, our hog producers have all contributed not just money, but protein. So now we actually have the culture of giving. And one of the coolest things that happened in 2019 is that the prize-winning steer at the Fleming County Fair, uh, raised by a Kentucky FFA member, was donated to the Kentucky Hunger Initiative. And we Wonderful. found somebody to pay for the processing and all that beef went back into the community for those less fortunate. 
No, that's fantastic. These are high school kids. And yeah. so we have a long way to go. Food insecurity rates are down in Kentucky, but it still affects a higher proportion of Kentuckians than it does on the national level. So we have work to do. Yeah, I think it's a great program and obviously a, a great connection with the abundance of Kentucky agriculture to help those who, who could use it most. And hey, who knows? Along the way, you help someone who's down on their luck, maybe they start buying Kentucky Proud later on. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, wish you well in the, in the new term. Thank you so much. And uh, again, uh, please go out there, support local agriculture, and say thanks to a local farmer. You can find links to Commissioner Quarles' Twitter account as well as to referenced websites in the show notes. A special thank you to Sean Southern for arranging the interview with Commissioner Quarles. Please hit the subscribe button to the Eat Kentucky podcast to be notified of future episodes. And please leave a five-star rating. It really helps others find the podcast. You can follow my other explorations of Kentucky food on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The Eat Kentucky theme is by Art Mize. If you have any questions or comments, you can email me at eatkentucky at gmail.com. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the Lexington area, I am a realtor with Keller Williams Bluegrass Realty. I would love to talk to you. Until next time, this is Alan Cornett. Thank you.